Coming up on this week's episode of News of the Week for episode 335 of the YLP podcast. It may be snowing in Colorado as of this recording, but I know tomorrow will be a better day. Anywho, that's not the biggest news. Of course, y'all know, I know, we all know what happened this past Monday with Monday Night Raw. Sasha Banks and Naomi walking out of Monday Night Raw over storyline issues. And I have been chomping at the bit. I have been waiting all week to be able to discuss this with you guys. And I got plenty of news. I'm sure you've already heard it, but you ain't hear it from Mr. YLP himself. We'll be talking about all of that in the top story of this week's episode. Also, I got news. I got plenty of other news besides the Sasha Banks and Naomi uh, situation. XFL coming back in 2023 has now signed a multi-year TV rights deal with Disney. We'll discuss all of that, um, what The Rock had to say, and give you my thoughts on XFL coming back in 2023. Also, apparently there was huge, huge news uh, about this MJF situation, and he's been talking about it for a hot minute. Apparently, this is just right, right now, you know what I mean? MJF is leaning towards heading towards WWE when his contract expires in 20. 20- 24. I know. Things may change. But I'll give you my thoughts on all of that as well as, and I just found this out, Roman Reigns' next three opponents for the, I guess, undisputed WWE Universal Championship has been revealed and it is exactly what you'd expect. All this and more on episode 335 of the YLP podcast and uh you know this is episode 335 of the YLP podcast let's hit that intro let's get it started and with that being said let us begin Greetings, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager here at WrestleLatic Radio and your host of Kings of the Rings podcast. But right now, right here and right now, you are listening to the Stephen A. Smith of WrestleLatic Radio, the unapologetically poignant, vibrant, and ferocious Young Lions perspective hosted by my man, Zachary Rosica. Enjoy the show. Zach from the Wrestling Delicious Podcast here. Welcome to episode 335 of the YLP Podcast. So glad to have you guys here with me on this lovely Saturday. And I hope you're enjoying your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening. Wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. Before we get into this week's episode of News of the Week, I do want to send out my thoughts and prayers to one Mr. Mike Virgil, I believe Jones, if I'm not mistaken. If I got it wrong, my bad. Um, 
I don't know if you guys actually uh, pick up on it when I uh, posted it on my story on Instagram this week. And if you're not following me over there, at young underscore lions underscore perspective, you can check all the stuff out there. Um, I posted that and I just found, and I found this out earlier this week that um, Virgil apparently has stage two colon cancer as well as early, early stages of dementia. Um, we, I found that, we found, I pretty much most of us found that out uh, this past week. Um, and, you know, it does suck when you, you know, you know, find out someone from the wrestling industry, you know, you know, collective, you know, has very, very big issues um, going on. And I know, I mean, as a person whose um, family has been affected by uh, the death of someone in our family with cancer, um, I probably spoke about this a couple times. My aunt Gina and my uncle Tony both died uh, mere months apart um, due to lung cancer. Um, and it really, really had an effect on our family big time. Um, so I can only imagine what uh, Virgil's family is going through at this very moment. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if you go over to um, his social media, uh, especially his Twitter. Um, I, did, I believe I did post that on my IG uh, a few days ago, but I don't think it's there anymore because IG stories don't just pretty much just are there just 24 hours apparently um go over to his uh twitter page and um please do find that paypal link uh apparently he cannot afford to pay for the medical bills um so any country i'm sure any contribution um that will be made towards him will definitely help out in uh his effort to ensure that he sticks around for a little bit longer um for the time being so uh, if you want to go check that out on his twitter please do um and I'm on, on behalf of uh, myself and uh, with Mr. Wild P Jr. here to my left. And uh, on behalf of everyone at WrestleMania Radio, we do hope and wish the very best for Virgil, his family. And we wish him uh, well recovery and getting back to 100% and being cancer free. Um, and I believe that uh, Russell uh, Lamia were the ones that actually uh, reported this. So shout out to Russell Lamia to, uh, for putting that out there to the people on Twitter. Much appreciated as well. So I could post that. But um, like I said, do go over to it, find him on Twitter. Um, and uh, if you can help in any way, shape or form, this is not me uh, doing this on my own. Uh, this is just something I, I wanted to put out there for y'all so y'all can spread the word about that. Um, yeah. So if you want, if you can contribute anything to uh, helping out his medical bills, please do so. If you can, it's OK. Keep him in your thoughts and prayers and make sure and hope that um, he comes out of this on the other side. Uh, cancer free. And um, all right, and in all that good stuff. So I just wanted to put that out there before we actually kick off the festivities for this week's episode um, that I have been, uh, entitled, if I'm not mistaken, A Piss Poor Decision by Idiotic Creative. Why did I title that this week? Well, I'm glad you asked because the big news, and I kind of figured this was going to be the biggest news coming out of this week. I said it in our Discord. Um, Sasha Banks and Naomi. Walk out of Monday Night Raw main event over storyline issues. We actually head over to Yahoo News of all places. Don't ask why I picked that one. I'm just running with it. But uh, let's see what Jordan Mendoza had to say about this entire issue. WWE officials had to make sudden changes to the main event of Monday Night Raw after the women's tag team champions Sasha Banks and Naomi reportedly walked out of the arena as the show aired. Excuse me. PW Insider first reported the news on Monday night, and later WWE confirmed the incident. The original plan by WWE was for the main event of Monday Night Raw at Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia, to be a six-pat challenge. 
to determine the challenger for WWE Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view event on June 5th. Banks and Naomi were reportedly set to be in the match until they left the arena. Quote, this is from WWE. When Sasha Banks and Naomi arrived at the arena this afternoon, they were informed of their participation in the main event of tonight's Monday Night Raw. During the broadcast, they walked into WWE ahead of talent relations, John Laurinaitis office, people power. With their suitcases in hand, placed their tag team championship belts on his desk and walked out. End quote. According to PW Insider on Tuesday, the plan was for Naomi to win Monday's main event to face Belair, but lose the match at Hell in a Cell. Banks was also set to eventually lose to Ronda Rousey at the same pay-per-view for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Both superstars had issues with the direction up. their storylines were going and were uncomfortable with who their opponents would be. Banks reportedly took to her concerns to WWE CEO Vince McMahon, who decided to stick with what WWE had already decided, prompting the stars to leave the arena. They claimed they weren't respected enough as tag team champions, and even though that they had eight hours to rehearse and construct their match, they claimed they were uncomfortable in the ring with two of their opponents, even though they'd had matches with those individuals in the past with no consequence. We'll come back to that. After Banks and Naomi left, WWE changed the main event into a match between Becky Lynch and Asuka determined Belair's challenger, with Asuka picking up the victory. Although WWE has had many off-screen scripted segments, it is unknown if, w- if it is actually part of WWE's plan. WWE commentator Corey Graves mentioned Banks and Naomi's departure to her several times during the broadcast. The two stars have not made any statements or comments since the show. Monday Night Raw is a scripted live TV show whose characters are expected to perform the requirements of their contract, WWE said. We regret we were unable to deliver, as advertised, tonight's main event. End quote. Now, initially, ladies and gentlemen, everyone around the world, lend me your ears. Initially, I thought this was actually a work. With the way everything had gone about and the, and the way everything was... Sh- Shown, my first initial thought was this has to be a work. There's no way that your ta- your women's tag team champions are just essentially going to walk out of a main event spot. You know, and and, 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 and you know, I, I I initially just immediately thought this. There's no way on God's green earth you're going to tell me that this is actually a shoot. There's no way. And I'm being honest. I'm being honest with myself. I'm being honest with myself, and I'm being honest with y'all right now. I initially thought this was a work, Mister YLP Junior did as well. I don't know what a work is, Dad. I'll tell you later. Okay. Now, looking at it, and and here was the and that now I I was pretty much in like in my mind that this is a hundred percent of work until. Until a, a tweet came out later on in the evening as we head over to WrestlingHeadlines.com. Person close to Naomi reveals details on what led Sash to Sasha and Banks. I can't even read today. English is so hard. Person close to Naomi reveals details on what led to Sasha Banks and Naomi incident at WWE Raw. And of course, written by my personal favorite writer. In the wrestling uh, community, uh, Mr. Mark Middleton. 
A Twitter user who appears to be a friend of WWE Women's Tag Team Champion Naomi took to the platform last night and posted a viral thread that may provide some insight into the situation that led to Naomi and partner Sasha Banks walking out of last night's WWE Raw from the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. As noted, there was a situation that saw Banks and Naomi leave last night's Raw, reportedly not happy with creative plans for the main event to determine the new number one contender to Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair. Naomi, of course, was reported to win the six-pack challenge, but it was changed to Asuka versus Becky Lynch when Banks and Naomi walked out following Banks' meeting with WWE Chairman and CEO Vince McMahon. WWE issued a statement to the media on last night's walkout, but also posted the statement to their website as they were with any storyline news, which is unusual as WWE usually stays quiet on legitimate backstage issues, which is why I thought it was a work pretty much when they uh, came out. Um... And of course, you can check out the backstage report, you can click all the hyperlinks, all that stuff. We continue on, though. In an update, a Twitter user who goes by security at Jocelyn's Cabaret at, uh, at Adidas underscore head 88 made several tweets about on Banks and Naomi, noting that he received the okay to post them. This man is followed by Naomi's official account and has been known to have some sort of ties to Naomi before this. Now, this whole thread here, I've read the thread many, many times. And this was what led me to realize this was actually a shoot. And shout out uh, to dude, uh, Adidas hit, Adidas underscore head 88. Now, this is this is what, now, mind you, if you've already read this and you've already heard it a million times, I understand. But it's the news I've recorded on, on Fridays. It bees what it bees. But it's worth it's worth a refresher course if you have if you already heard it. So here you have it. Here's how this went down. You were approached in February as being put in a tag team after both being promised big feuds at WrestleMania. You bite the bullet and put everything you got into being a tag team. It works. You get over, win the tag team titles at WrestleMania, and become merch pushers. Five weeks into your reign, you show up to live TV and ready to work. You are told you will be in the main event, and you are happy. You are both then told that one of you will be going over from pinning the other. You have questions why that decision was made and how it helps y'all. You request a meeting with your boss to discuss it. Your boss takes the meeting and everything is actually going well. He understands your concerns. The meeting ends well and the match is told to be constructed. For some reason, producers get mad about it. You then ask, with one of your members going over, what happens to your titles? You are, basic, you are told basically that you will just be carrying the belts. They want to use you both to help both women's champions get more over. Bianca versus Naomi and Sasha versus Ronda, which pretty much confirms what we've read in Yahoo News. Neither of you will win the solo titles, and you won't be defending your titles until money in the bank. You ask for another meeting with your boss, but this time you are called spoiled. A producer walks away screaming. He comes back and tell, tells both of you to fix your attitudes. Y'all have a brief meeting amongst yourselves and decide to stand up for yourselves. You go to another boss. And make it clear you just have concerns. You ask why are we even in the match and why aren't other women in it? You ask why your titles have no stories for two months. Again, you are met with fix your attitudes. So after one final meeting with yourselves and asking others, you make the ultimate decision as a team. It's sad how one side is trying to create a fucked up narrative. Also, it was asked why were Nikki Ash and Dewdrop in the match instead of starting their program tonight. Naomi nor Sasha talked down about being in the ring with either one. I don't know how that got flipped. 
Naomi and Banks still have not commented on what happened on Monday, and there's still no word yet on if this is some big storyline or not. WWE statement noted that Banks and Naomi handed over their title belts to Talent Relations Paper Pal. Ladies and gentlemen, a trigger warning has now been placed in effect. For the remainder of this segment, if you have any kids anywhere in the room or you don't or you don't have earbuds or anything like that, this is also a headphone warning, may I add. Uh, if you have earbuds and headphones, I would suggest getting it to a nice lower uh, volume because um, it may get loud in here. So you mean to tell me? Actually, I'm going to get fucking comfortable. My love can't... No. Stop. Relax. Jesus. I thought you were napping there. I was napping there, but I had to lick. You're not licking your junk while I record. That's not That's not how this works. Don't lick... Okay. Anywho. So, WWE... Had the brilliant fucking idea of having a six-pack challenge for the to for the right to face Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell for the Raw Women's Championship. I posted on my Twitter this past week looking at the divisions as a whole and how I stated that SmackDown's uh, women's division is in quite some trouble. Yes, they are, Milo. Yes, they are. Um, because now, when you look at it, and my tweet's still up there, if you want to go check it out, um, at YL Perspective over on Twitter. When you look at the Raw Women's Division, the Raw Women's Division looks pretty solid. I mean, yes, you got Carmella and Dana Brooke and Tamina and all that bullshit and uh, whatever, and Queen Zelina and all that. But you still have more than enough talent to make a six-pack challenge to not have Sasha Banks and Naomi in it. Where's Liv Morgan? Where's Rhea Ripley? You know what I mean? Like, why aren't we putting them in there? I, honestly, here's your six-pack challenge right here. Nikki Ash, Dewdrop, Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, Asuka, Becky Lynch. That's your six-pack challenge right there, ladies and gentlemen. That was fucking easy. And that took me, what, 30 seconds to figure it out? Okay. The reason why I'm upset and pissed off and all this bullshit is the fact that you have Sasha Banks and Naomi, two women in their own right, singles-wise, kick all kinds of ass, former champions, singles-wise, in their own right. You have to get them together as a, come together as a tag team, which honestly is a not bad, not a bad combo. Have them win the tag team championships at WrestleMania. Hooray, hooray. All good. Then five weeks later, you're put into this situation where you're both involved in a six-man tag, knowing neither in in honest in, in all honesty, neither of them should be winning that match. Would be winning that match anyway if you think think it like I do. But then all of a fucking sudden, Naomi is booked to pin Sasha Banks 
become the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship and face Bianca Belair at Hell in a Cell. Then you're going to have Sasha face Ronda at Hell in a Cell for the SmackDown Women's Championship because you have no one in that division besides Sasha and Naomi to face Ronda. Yes, we know. Sasha Banks and Naomi are, by proxy, SmackDown superstars who are just happening to hold title belts for the Women's Championship so they can go across both shows. Excuse me. But you mean to fucking tell me? You mean to tell me that you have nothing planned and you had nothing planned for Sasha Banks and Naomi in terms of the Tag Team Championship? Nothing. You mean to tell me you had no one to even get a sniff at the championship, at the Women's Tag Team Championship? You mean to tell me You mean to tell me that you were going to you were basically using your women's tag team champions as filler just so we can get to July That's all Naomi and Sasha were seen as by WWE filler fucking filler Just so we can get to the stadium shows in, in, in July. For Money in the Bank and SummerSlam. But are going to do nothing un for Sasha Banks and Naomi until after Hell in a Cell. But y'all got, but WWE has the nerve to call them spoiled. WWE has the nerve to call them spoiled. This is an absolute joke. Now, we've seen Sasha versus Ronda before, and that was absolute magic. Sasha gave Ronda her best match ever since Ronda's been a part of the WWE. You can't create that magic again. That is something we could not cook up yet. We ain't even thought about putting that shit on the menu, bruv. Bianca Naomi made no absolutely no fucking sense. Neither of these matches made no fucking sense. Nothing about this makes any fucking sense. This is the literal definition of whose man's is this. You mean to fucking tell me. You mean to fucking tell me. 
that the bright idea y'all had was to fuck over your women's tag team champions. This is on WWE. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. This is what happens when you have creative with an IQ the size of a fucking soap dish. Your best idea was to do a six-pack challenge involving your women's tag team champions when you have many other ladies in the division that you could have used for this match. If anything, Nikki Ash shouldn't have been in that fucking matchup anyway. Uh, definitely Dewdrop is nowhere near in contention. Where's like I said, where's Rhea Ripley? Where's Liv Morgan? They're in a they're in a bit of a feud right now, especially now that Rhea Ripley's part of uh, Judgment Day, and you got a uh, bootleg ba- uh, bootleg uh, Bullet Club going on. And for anyone, and anyone that fucking says Liv Morgan is Bullet Club, you're your goddamn mind. Jay White ain't give that approval. Jay White ain't say yes. Jay White told. Gotta make that decision. Liv Morgan is not Bullet Club. Stop it. Stop it with that. It's trash. You could, you, here's what I would have done. If you didn't, if, if Asuka and Becky Lynch, which, which honestly should have, which was the match we, they just should have had in the fucking first place. If we're being brutally honest about it, you could have just put, you could just had a fatal four way elimination match if you wanted to get, get a little spicy. Liv, Rhea, Becky, Asuka. Tell me that wouldn't be a dope-ass match to see on Monday Night Raw. And the other thing about the fucking, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't want to work with uh, Nikki Ash and Dewdrop. They've worked with them before on separate occasions. Nikki Ash, solid worker. Dewdrop, solid worker. I don't think Sasha and Naomi had any beef with not with Nikki and Dewdrop. I think everybody that's fucking being a WWE apologist is being fucking petty pieces of shit. That's what the fuck I think. Oh, Ariane Andrew talking about manipulation? Fuck out of here with that. Fuck out of here with that. Any, but let, let's let's before we get back, you know, into the nonsense. Uh, let's look at the backstage reactions to Sasha and Naomi's WWE walkout. Because I'm not talking about that Matt Cardona shit. That was that was dumb. You just trying to get some clout and flex. Fuck out of here with that. But let, let let's let's go over to uh, WrestlingInc.com real quick uh, and talk about the backstage reactions uh, to Sasha Banks and Naomi's walkout from Robert Gagne. As Sasha Banks. And Naomi continued to dominate the headlines for the decision to walk out of WWE Raw. More updates continue to emerge. The latest report from FIFA Select gives some insight into how people backstage in WWE are reacting to the controversial move as the week continues. One talent indicated. Let me get my laptop right because I got too many damn tads up. Um... One talent indicated that they often see criticism of WWE's handling of champions, the tag team division, the number of women's tag teams, and the booking of women in general, but see even more criticism when talent stand up against it. The site noted. A consensus. Oh, don't grumble at me, Milo. A consensus among the talent 
who taught the FIFO that is that, quote, leaving during a show you were scheduled for before that segment is something that is likely to lead you to getting buried throughout said show. An established WWE star responded to the comparisons of Steve Austin walking out in 2002, pointing out that Austin walked out long before airtime. Fightful also spoke to a female star who, quote, didn't see anything particularly egregious worth leaving with leaving the show, but understands the creative frustration. The report suggests that there are several people in within WWE who are support, supportive of Naomi and Sasha's stance, but the much larger population lies in the not being happy with creative is fine, walking out is fine, but walking out during the show isn't fine camp. People outside of the company also had plenty to say on the matter, including one former WWE talent who admitted that they didn't fully understand the situation, quote, but that it took balls to do what Sasha and Naomi did. Meanwhile, a female wrestler in a different promotion was surprised with the pay with the pay scale at what it is in WWE right now that the two would deem a creative situation worth walking out on. Similarly, divisive reactions were echoed from several more people, most of whom took either the someone needed to do something like this to make a stand stance or the can't walk out during a show your schedule for stance. Regarding how her fellow employees felt about Sasha Banks prior to this incident, several claimed that things have, had seemed to have eased up in that regard in recent months. According to Fightful, one staff member said that they, that while they, they'd had not had positive experiences with Banks in the past, they understood why she walked out during the show. They noted that once 8pm rolled around, she wasn't going to be able to speak with Vince McMahon, and she knew she wasn't going to work the match, so there was no need to stick around. Finally, Someone reportedly close to the situation believes that WWE released their statement as, quote, a way to pit those talent against each other, end quote. That same person believes, however, that, quote, all of those involved will be quick to reach out to one another to clear up any misconceptions, end quote. It's important to emphasize that none of these statements reflect the feelings of the entire locker room. Only several individuals Fightful was able to contact. The funny, the funny one was that people were online saying that, oh, Sasha Banks uh, manipulated Naomi uh, into walking out with her. Yeah, I do realize Naomi was actually under contract negotiations. God, her contract's coming up. Naomi's a grown-ass woman. I'm for certain that Naomi probably didn't want to do that with to Naomi uh, to Sasha. These are two people in the industry that a I respect, b I respect their uh, hustle, their their thing in the ring, and c I don't think Sasha manipulated Naomi. Naomi's a grown ass woman. Naomi, she grown. Why her former tag team partner, Arian Andrew, for, oh, she got, oh, man, Sasha manipulated her. Shut up. Shut your ass up. Don't be mad because you were trash in WWE. You were. I don't care what anyone says. Whatever. Naomi was not manipulated. There is no fucking way you're going to try to convince me of anything otherwise. What happened with Sasha and Naomi? is a clear-cut indication of what WWE doesn't do. If I'm being brutally honest, I'm happy for, for Sasha and Naomi. 
I'm happy they stood up for themselves. I'm quite fucking happy that w, that they forced WWE's creative hand. You're going to use your tag team champions as fucking filler to get to your stadium shows? Because you're, you're, you're pretty much showing how much you don't give a shit damn or fuck about your women's tag team division. Y'all haven't done it since y'all since uh they got introduced. Fans wanted it, we got it, WWE gave it to them, and then they shit the fucking bed. It's understandable why fucking Sasha Banks left for a couple months. A seven-week title reign? Her first go-around, really? Seven weeks. Oh, I'm sorry. We uh, oh, I'm sorry. We're, we're oh, we are supposed to have long prestigious title reigns to actually give credibility to the fucking tag team titles. Jeez, Dad, calm down. It's not that serious. I know. Sometimes Daddy has to project and be loud. It'd be like that sometimes. I know. I know. I need to chill. I was at. I was at. I'm ten. I gotta bring it down to at least a five. It's already bad enough that the women's tag team division is an absolute joke. On Raw, on main roster, and on NXT, may I add. Yet y'all don't want to listen to me. And by y'all, I mean not y'all who's listening to my show. I mean um, the creative dum-dums over in WWE. I gave you gold. I gave WWE gold a couple years ago. When Sasha and Bayley... Uh, won the tag team championships the first time around. I stated long prestigious tag team championship reigns will do you a service and make and actually help the team who defeats the current champion. I gave you booking that was gold. I gave you gold in that booking a couple years ago. Yeah, I ain't, but they didn't want to listen to me though. They didn't want to give me that. They didn't want to give us that seven week title ring. Garbage. Garbage. Now here we are again. Sasha Banks is now a champ, tag team champ, women's tag team champion once again and they don't give her the credit she fucking deserves. These two are veterans in the game. They've been, they've been on main roster for a hot minute. And you're doing absolutely jack shit with those women's tag team championships. I've already told WWE chapter and verse, merge the division. Merge the women's divisions together and it helps your fucking division. Because it actually gives you the opportunity to actually build and you know cultivate tag teams. While you have your singles, one singles champion, one women's tag team champion. Hell. Hell, you can bring up tag teams from NXT to help your cause. That might that might help get some teams over. Feel me? But your best booking decision is to have your tag team champions in separate title matches, knowing they're gonna lose. But what I love and what I respect is that Sasha and Naomi forced WWE's creative hand. 
You really think WWE wanted to do Bianca versus Asuka at a D-level pay-per-view like Hell in a Cell? No. They wanted to do it in July. They wanted to do it in July. Because it was that stadium premium live event. Well. <laughs> oh, WWE, you played yourself. Horribly played yourself. Horribly. Because Naomi and Sasha forced your hand. Any producer, and whoever the producer was pissed, who got pissy, fuck you too. And I hope it wasn't TJ Wilson, Jason Jordan, or Molly Holly, because that would be mean now. But fuck you either way. To the people to the people out there on, on social media claiming they're fucking spoiled, go fuck yourself. To those thinking Sasha manipulated Naomi into actually leaving, go fuck yourself. Because you're not fucking getting it. Sasha Banks cares about the business. Every interview I've heard, any anything like that, you know, that where she's talking about wrestling as a whole, she you can tell she cares. She has so much love for the business and puts everything she can into it. So I can completely understand how pissed off she is. I think Naomi got pissed too. Again, she's under she's got contract she's got contract negotiations going on as we speak. This will not help your cause, WWE. It's already bad enough. Over the past couple of years, you have just just absolutely fucked up royally. On almost every scale. You fucked up NXT. You got rid of Triple H's guys because they're Triple H guys. And you pretty much were punishing your son-in-law. All because he couldn't beat Dynamite in ratings. In which you made the fucking dumbass decision to bring them into it in the first place. You did that, Vince. You did that, Bruce. You've ruined your best brand because you were butt hurt. You couldn't win a ratings war. If anything, NXT didn't need to be involved. Just be better. Now you ruined NXT by making it Nickelodeon 2.0. It gets decent viewership, but no one fucking cares. I honestly have not watched barely an episode of NXT since it started back in September. Because fuck them. I'm not going to waste my time and effort on a fucking brand that I loved. That I loved. And it was ruined within weeks. You had some of the best talent in the fucking world in that brand. And now you turn it into fucking stupidity. But it's developmental. I could give a fuck less. I commend them both for for forcing creative the creative hand of WWE. Because now, 
WWE has to give away, has to give away Bianca versus Asuka at a pay-per-view I could give a less of a fuck about 95% of the time. I told, I've told y'all many, many times, Tanies, I don't like gimmick pay-per-views. I hate them with a fucking passion. Because you're taking one of my favorite matches ever in Hell in a Cell and turning it into a pay-per-view when it doesn't need to be. Same thing with Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank is a spectacle of a match that should be at WrestleMania every fucking year. Doesn't need to be on its own pay-per-view. Why? That's why you go to WrestleMania and qualify for it. Big stage, big moment. Could carry it from WrestleMania this year to the next WrestleMania next year. And you could cash in at WrestleMania a la Seth Rollins. I hate gimmick pay-per-views. Hell in a Cell to me is no different. But now you have, but now WWE is forced to give away their one of their big marquee matchups that they were gonna fucking have for Money in the Bank and Bianca Nasca. You think Vince McMahon's happy about that? Absolutely not. Good, good. You had more than enough talent to put together a six pack challenge and not involve Sasha and Naomi. You know that. I know that. Vince knows that. Bruce knows that. We all know this. We all know this. But you mean to fucking tell me? You could have, you could have, this like, like I said, you could have done the Fatal 4-Way match, Elimination, Liv and Rhea, Oscar Becky. And we could have had a grand old time with that. That could have been, honestly, Put that together, give that 20, 25 minutes. This is an elimination match in the way I would book it. And Asuka still wins. Or you could have had Becky win. Besides, we all know Bianca would be Becky again anyway. Get to the paper, get to July. Boom, bop, wah. Bianca Asuka. Do it at SummerSlam. Hooray, I win. It's that. Like, come the fuck on. It's a piss poor decision by idiotic creative. That's not to say Nikki Ash and Dewdrop aren't good because they are, but Nikki and Dewdrop didn't need to be there. They're nowhere near contention for Bianca. Besides, Dewdrop and Bianca just had a little thing a few months ago. Too soon. Nikki is nowhere near contention for the women's championship. I can give less of a fuck about what program Dewdrop. And Nikki Ash are doing. Don't care. Leave them out. Go with your hot hands. Livria, Bianca, Asuka. No, uh, Becky, Asuka. I'm sorry. Those are your top four contenders as we speak right now. On Raw. WWE as a whole is stupid. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I do love the talent. I love what they got going on with most of their stuff. I really do. But dude, you got you got to be like you got to be smart. I mean, it's already bad enough 
that you've already let go of so much fucking talent and just given it away. And now AEW is about to kick your ass with what you lost. But that's a whole different story for another show. But when you've got two members of your roster who aren't feeling a creative decision in the first place, like that's the and that's the biggest thing, and that's why it's such a, des- a desecration of the women's tag team division because there isn't one. I gave y'all gold two, three years ago on how to book a women's tag team on how to get to a big time matchup at SummerSlam when Sasha and Bailey were running house, and you could have had Oscar Kyrie. At SummerSlam for the Women's Tag Team Championships. And I booked that like a god. I booked that like a fucking god. But y'all got the fucking nerve to not give a shit about your Women's Tag Team division. I keep keep giving WWE breadcrumbs and all I see is seagulls eating them. I tried the James Woods. Ooh, piece of candy. Nobody ate it. WWE don't care. They don't give a shit. They don't care about the women's division when we're on SmackDown because that's pretty that that division is pretty much done for for quite some time. Given the fact that Sasha Naomi walked out, Natty Natalia is in NXT feuding with Cora J for reasons I don't give a shit about. Charlotte's about to get married to Andrade El Idolo in a little bit, and congratulations to them too in advance of their marriage. Um, Shane is not going to face Ronda for the title. They're frenzies. And I would love to see them personally as a tag team. Ali is nowhere near the title, title contention. Zaya Lee is nowhere near the title contention. And Raquel Rodriguez. Well, we don't call her that here. We call her Raquel Gonzalez because that's her fucking name that we got in NXT. Had a, had a non title match against Ronda already in a loss. Bailey's still out with injury. Who you got left? Oh, let's just use our tag team fucking champions to get them over. What kind of fucking dumbass logic is that? That's not our fault. That's not the fans' fault. That's not the podcasters' fault. It's not WrestleMania Radio's fault. Not JD from NY6's two JD from NY206's fault. Not Solid Monsters. Not fucking um Sledgehammer TV's fault. Not Wrestling with Regrets' fault. Not anyone's fault but WWE's. Not public enemies' fault. <laughs> Not the Dirty Heels podcast. Not those wrestling girls. None of them. Not Fightful. None of them. This is all on WWE not taking care of being proper with the women's division. Now this is the result of what you fucking get. This is what WWE deserves. Why the fuck are you putting your tag team champions in a no-win situation across the fucking board? Why? Because WWE, especially for on Ronda's side, is fucking dumb. They're absolutely brain dead. 
It's not our fault you don't know what to do with Ronda Rousey in the SmackDown Women's Championship because you have nobody. Who are you going to put against Ronda now? Now that Sasha and Naomi have walked out. Bailey's not ready yet. As far as we know, Bailey's not even ready to go. Bailey was supposed to be on uh, the stadium show. She's still healing up. I'm sure at this at this point she might be starting to get back into get uh, getting into ring action in terms of practice, in terms of training. But at this point, Bianca now must face Asuka at a D level pay per view for the Raw Women's Championship. I'm sure it'll be a dope ass match. But here's the fucked up part. I also know WWE is going to pull some bullshit. I have a strange feeling they're going to do some bullshit so they can get to July. And ensure that we get that stadium show matchup. Just wait. Just you watch. Promise you. I promise you. Mr. YLP's got you. Promise you there's going to be some bullshit to get us to the July shows. I promise you. We'll talk about that when we get to that point though. That'll be a uh, uh, sometime. Sometime when we get to uh, close to uh, Hell in a Cell. But people, people of the YLP universe of the YLP realm, I gotta put it to you like this: I commend Sasha and Naomi for doing what they did. I commend them for forcing WWE's creative hand. I commend. Sasha and Naomi for sticking up for themselves and realizing that sometimes you got to put your foot down and say, I'm not doing that shit. Sometimes you got to remind, sometimes you got to remind people who exactly who the fuck you are. You got to remind people who the fuck you are. The only crime that Sasha and Naomi committed in all of this is caring too much. I was listening to JFD from NY206 the other night as he was uh, talking about this report as well. And he said it fantastically. WWE doesn't like when talent care too much. And that really clicked with me. I'm just, I, and it really knocked, like, knocked something in my head. And I'm thinking, damn. He's on the song. That's that's the gripe they WWE has with Sasha and Naomi. They care too much. If caring for the business and profession you work in is a wrong thing, what the fuck is right? What is right? What's right is what Sasha and Naomi did. Call him spoiled. Call Sasha manipulative. Call whatever the fuck you want. I'm calling him smart. Because now, WWE got fucked over. And with good reason. Even Mickey James commended them for this shit. Mickey James commended Sasha and Naomi. I commend them. I'm happy. I am happier than a pig in shit that WWE now is forced to create, has to, has to force themselves to be creative. Had to force, at the, at the, um, are fucked. That's the best part. WWE now knows they, they have to give a big time match away at a pay-per-view that honestly, in the terms of like the calendar, no one really gives a fuck about. 
all we all the all everyone's can all everyone's preparing for is money in the bank and SummerSlam in July. That's that June. June is just filler. June is a filler month for for this shit. But it ain't gonna be filler for Sasha and Naomi. It's not, and that's a good thing. WWE, get your fucking shit together. Start do- treating your talent right. You put the titles on Sasha and Naomi for a reason. Give them something to work with. Because you because you played yourself, shot yourself in both feet, and now you're forced to give away one of your big-time matches on a pay-per-view that most people, honestly, hopefully, or I'm just going to guess, don't really give a fuck about. The only reason I have to give a fuck about it is because I'm going to talk about it after Hell in a Cell goes down. That's the only reason I give a fuck. But other than that, I give a fuck less. WWE, this one's on you. Do right by your divisions. Especially your women's division. Because honestly, from what I've seen as of late, you're slacking. That ain't good. And let's see what you do come July. That's going to conclude the top story segment of this episode of the podcast. I know it went a, long, a little longer than I normally would like to, but it bees what it bees. But when we come back, I got more news. Of course, I got news. We're going to be talking about, of course, MJF's leaning toward leaving AEW when his contract is up in 2024. Also, news on XFL. They finally have a multi-year deal. And they got it with Disney. We'll be discussing that. As well as the next three title challengers for Roman Reigns have been revealed. And it uh, yeah. We'll, we'll just talk about it when we get there. On the other side of episode 335 of the YLP podcast. We'll be right back. The weather's warming up again, y'all, but your wardrobe is way past its expiration date. A post-pandemic fashion faux pas indeed. Now, I may not know much about fashion, but what I do know is that everyone always wants to look their best when they step out into the world. That's why it's time you need to check out the revamp YLP store and stock up on some new threads. Like Mr. YLP himself, you know that looking good means you're feeling good, and trust me, you're going to be turning heads with the new Golden Lion Collection just in time for the warmer months ahead. Whether you're looking to dress up or dress down, Mr. YLP has got you covered. Whether it's starting the day with a cup of joe out of your Golden Lion mug, hanging out on the boardwalk in a cozy cotton poly blend hoodie, or simply enjoying a nap in the lion's den with a comfy pillow and fleece blanket, you know that you're doing it the YLP way. So get in your mobile device, laptop, or PC and head over to young-lions-perspective.creator-spring.com right now and get that wardrobe back to being stronger than a pride alliance. That's young-lions-perspective.creator-spring.com. Make sure you tell them Mr. YLP sent you.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with episode 335 of the YLP podcast, talking about, of course, the news of the week. And before I get into the rest of the news of the week, um, if you had just heard the uh, YLP store commercial, I just want to let you guys know that it has been revamped, remade, redone. Well, not really, but we got new shit. I got new stuff. I got cool stuff. All right, because we're heading into the spring and summer months, and uh, yeah, we got some some new things over there. Let me introduce you to some new things real quick uh, that wasn't explained in the commercial. I got cool things. All right, let me let me, let me just look at this. Let me, I'm gonna, let me just tell you what I got now. I got, of course, the uh, women men's and women's uh, t-shirts. I got stainless steel bottles. I got beach towels. Tank tops are back. We got zip-up hoodies. I got crop top hoodies for the ladies. We got slides. I got organic tote bags, hoodies. I got the face mask. I got the I got the motherfucking uh mug, pillow, wine tumbler, regular tumbler, pint glass. I got joggers. I got all that. New things, new things. Okay, I'm gonna get me some pretty soon. Um, but yeah, you can get all this stuff. All it's the newly revamped, redone, everything new for the most part over at young-lions-perspective.creator-spring.com. Head over there right now. Get you some new YLP merch. Get your summer right, and get you some banging golden lion merch. Look clean doing it. And if you do get some yourself, uh, excuse me, take a selfie of it with an own look clean, look all that stuff on my Instagram, on my Twitter. Hit me up over there. And um, I will make sure to retweet, show you some love and all that good stuff, man. Again, young-lions-perspective.creator-spring.com. Get your YLP merch today. All right. Now let's get back into the news I have left for this week. Okay. Let's head over to Fightful.com to kick off this segment. XFL strikes multi-year TV rights deal with Disney. This is from Gisberto Guzzo. The XFL has found a home on television. The league has struck a global right... The league has struck a global rights deal with Disney that will see all regular season and playoff games broadcast on ABC, ESPN, and FX. Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Danny Garcia, who are part of the league's ownership group, along with Jerry Cardinal's Redbird Capital, announced the deal Tuesday during Disney's upfront presentation, saying, quote, Without question, we have long admired Disney's distinct ability to engage an expansive consumer fan base across verticals while also maintaining a deeply authentic, nuanced, and heartfelt approach to storytelling much like our own. To find a partner that honors our foundation and to be able to root our vision of unwavering passion, accessibility, and the future of football with Disney as our home is a dream come true. We are extraordinarily excited to explore the endless possibilities of this partnership. Today is surely just beginning. Johnson came in and said, quote, this is a definitive moment for the XFL and beginning of an incredible long-term partnership for the league, building on my long-standing, very successful legacy relationship I've had with Disney throughout my career. We're excited to be working with global visionaries that are aligned with XFL's values, our true team players, and share our ambitious goals to grow the XFL as a global sports and entertainment business. Through the combined power of Disney and the XFL, together, we will create a new powerhouse on the sports calendar and bring a dynamic game of football to fans everywhere. Time to ball out. 
Originally founded by Vince McMahon, the XFL only lasted one season in 2001. McMahon revived the league in 2020, but its season was canceled halfway through as the onset of the coronavirus pandemic shut down play. Garcia and Johnson's group acquired its parent company in August 2020 for $15 million after the XFL had declared bankruptcy. Jimmy Pataro says, quote, The XFL will tap into sports fans' deep love of football by emphasizing competitive competition and action. Competitive action, I should say. Competitive competition. That's weird. While dedicating itself to innovation and entertainment. You can see a great path to success when you combine the reach of influence of ESPN and Disney with the collective vision of XFL leadership led by Danny, Dwayne, and Jerry. The new season is set to kick off on February 18th, 2023. Now, for me personally, uh, I love the XFL. The 01 version, and then I love the reversion that when it got revised back in 2020, it sucked. Uh, that the pandemic shut everything down, but it is what it is. It bees what it bees. But this is big. I mean, I knew. I, I mean, I knew XFL was coming back, and I was excited about that. Now partnering with Disney means we do get shows on ABC and ESPN throughout the spring season, um, throughout the end of winter um, and the beginning of spring. So that's always a win in and of itself. Um, as far as you know, it getting be on you know multiple networks. That's a win. And honestly, um, when it came to like these other leagues, like, you know, the USFL is going right now. Um, that's not too bad. Uh, New Jersey Generals are leading the division, North Division at 4-1, and one, so y'all can suck it. Go Jersey Generals all day. Um, gang, gang. No. <laughs> no, but seriously, this is actually a really big deal. I know a lot of people are, you know, harping on Disney right now because of other shit. And it's, uh, we, don't, we ain't going to be talking about it on that show. We don't do that. We ain't discussing that. We keep it strictly wrestling around these parts here in the YLP realm. But that's all, like I said, that's a whole different animal in and of itself that I ain't trying to mess with. Um, but in terms of Disney and XFL coming together, this is actually a really solid deal. Because like I said, we're going to get it on ESPN. We're going to get it on ABC. FX, that's just a weird flex, but okay. Um, but to get it on, to get the XFL on um, Back on ABC and back on ESPN uh, is really cool because, uh, like I said, I enjoyed the XFL, um, the 2020 version, a lot because of the fact that um, they were they did things, they were getting a bit innovative, you know, with the one, two, three point system, um, with kickoff, with the way they're going to do kickoffs, with you know, no wedge blocking or no uh, uh, anything like that. You know, they really had some innovative things um, in order to kind of make. The, the league itself different. Like I said, we were talking, but I was talking about just a little while ago about the USFL and of course the um, AAF that was pretty much was defunct after like six weeks and then the Orlando Apollos just had a ring all of a sudden because they were the only undefeated team in the league. I don't know. That was a weird flex, but all right though. But um, my thing is this. XFL is going to be a, a, an awesome league. I honestly think in my heart of hearts that XFL is going to be prosperous once it, once it starts up again in February 2023. I think it's going to be profitable. I think, you know, it's something that fans have been winning for. And, you know, especially now that, you know, The Rock is actually, a, a, you know, the part owner of um, XFL in and of itself. Uh, that will easily bring eyes to the product. Even if you're not a pro wrestling fan, you know who The Rock is. So it's going to be fun to see how, you know, all of this. And we've been waiting, what, three years for them to come back into the fold? You know, Oliver Love, Vince McMahon situation, bullshit, 
wondering if we were going to get one back. Then we then it was announced that we were going to get it in 2023. And I was just like, all right, I'm in. Cool. You know? So it's really, really fun. Uh, and it's going to be a really fun uh, thing to see the XFL get back into the swing of things. Because like I said, I'm a fan of the XFL. Um, I love it. I'm a New York Guardians fan. Um, even though sometimes the Matt McGloin was straight garbage. Um <laughs> like XFL is XFL was a solid league and it sucked the coronavirus pandemic kind of shut everything down um in back in 2020 but it bees like I said with the pandemic it bees what it bees it is what it is but um when we get back into the swing of things with February 2023 with the XFL I know people like myself like my grandmother who's a big football fan and kind of gets football withdrawals just like I do um you know, when it, when the season ends. But now we're going to have something to look forward to, knowing that in a couple weeks after the Super Bowl happens, we get XFL back into our television screens, back in our lives. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be really exciting. I can't wait to see what they do. And, uh, you know, fuck the Battlehawks. Anywho, <laughs> let's head over to F4WOnline.com for a moment. Because this, this is one uh, I've been seeing, too, as of late being a big, big issue well, not a big issue, but more so along the lines of like a big, big report. So, MGF leaning toward leaving AEW when contract is up. The AEW star's deal isn't up until early 2024, but he isn't shy about thinking ahead from Josh Nason. According to a Fightful report Thursday afternoon, there's still some hard feelings between MGF and AEW that may be leading the young star to look elsewhere in less than two years. In the report, they said he is leaning towards leaving AEW as of now when his deal is up. The same website reported that during a heated April discussion with AEW head Tony Khan, MJF wasn't happy about his contract situation the pay scale as of that conversation. We were told the, con- the situation left him soured on many things. The impetus for that talk was a March interview MJF did with Ariel Helwani that wasn't cleared through AEW PR. Dave Meltzer reported at the time that there was a conversation between both sides and any issues were cleared. It should be noted that MGF still has nearly two years left on a five-year deal, which he signed in 2019. That leads time for feelings to change, the industry to change, and negotiations on a new deal, the finances of which may be different in two years depending on the next AEW TV contract and situation at that time. FIFO reported... There has been at least some progress on a potential extension with AEW. It should also be noted that MJF hasn't been shy about going public regarding his potential 2024 free agency in promos, including this week's Dynamite, and interviews, making it part of his AEW storylines without it being the central focus. He has generated headlines about both wanting to be the highest paid star in wrestling and alluding to a possible future with WWE with his mutual respect for uh, both WWE's Bruce Prichard and free agent signee Cody Rhodes. In December, Andrew Zarian reported that both Fox and NBC Universal became interested in MGF during his promos during the CM Punk angle. Now, I love me some MJF. I think he is one of the better heels that AEW. What? Oh, we like MJF. Okay. Mr. Wild Jr. wants to just want to make sure everyone knew that he is a very, very big MJF fan and he wants to know where he get his scarves from because apparently he wants a, a bougie Burberry bandana. You got to talk to Miss Wild P about that. Talk to mom. I'm not talking to mom. I'm talking to you right now, dad. Think about it. 
bandana. I look good. I make it look good. Why not? <laughs> Mr. Wild P. Jr., ladies and gentlemen. In terms of MJF, um, I like MJF. I'm a big fan of MJF. I think he is uh, worthy of being a pillar and being one of the four pillars in AEW. He can talk. He can wrestle. Uh, he's got charisma for days. People despise him. You know, it works. He makes it work, and he's one of the top heels for a reason. I, at least I believe he's a top heel in uh, AEW at this very moment, especially as we're heading into Double or Nothing um, next Sunday. So, the weird thing that weirds me out is just like, we know. We all know that when his contract does come up in 2024, you know AEW will be throwing, depending on how the contract goes, as I said in the article, they're going to be throwing big money at him. And he deserves to have big money thrown at him. But we also know WWE is going to be on that ass too. Boy. WWE will be trying to throw big bucks at him. Big money. Big five-year contract. AEW will be doing the same thing. This is going to be a power struggle. Because AEW and MJF go together like peanut butter and jelly. I don't know how MJF and WWE would go. That's the difference. I've seen people on I've seen people on my on my timeline on Twitter saying, you know, you know, they might, you know, WWE wouldn't be able to wouldn't book MJF the same way they book him now in AEW. That's possible. That is very possible. But the thing is, too, is that, as I said in the article, the industry might change. The contract that AEW gets in terms of their TV contract may be amazingly huge. A lot of things might change between, you know, May 21st, 2022, and early 2024. A lot of things can change between now and then. MJF's mind might be different coming at least 2023. And we we've seen it before. He's talked about it. He said it in promos. He'll 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 leave. He'll go to WWE. He had no problem. He has no problem saying that out loud. No problem. You know. He's worth it wherever he goes. Let's be real. Let's be realistic about that. Wherever he goes, he'll the contract will be worth it because he's worth it. He's one of the best guys out there right now, and he's pro- he's been proving it since he started in AEW back in 2019. Not many people knew who MJF was prior to AEW in 2019. I barely knew who MJF was. This kid is a bona fide foundation piece of AEW. And, they, and Tony Khan knows he would be a complete dope if he didn't if he wasn't able to keep MJF on his roster. MJF to me is a surefire future AEW world champion if they stick have him stick around. I know that to be true. I also could see him being a world champion in WWE. For what it's worth. At the end of the day with this. We're still a little little over like 18 months away from actually knowing where MJF is going to go. Would I be mad if I saw, if I found out, if we find out in 2024 
that MJF is going to WWE? Probably not, depending on how the situation is in WWE in 2024. And it's not it's not a bad it wouldn't be a bad situation for MJF honestly if anything WWE's main event scene on both sides on Raw and SmackDown need a little bit of work now I would and I can't believe I'm going to be saying this out loud to the entire world I think Raw's main event scene is way better than SmackDown's main event scene because main event because Raw wins by default because you have no one on SmackDown side even credible enough to face Roman. But what about Drew McIntyre? He's he's worthy enough of facing Roman. Uh, really though? You sure about that? Because I don't think so. I really don't think so. I don't. But, I mean, if I would say this. if let, Let's say we get to 2024 and MGF goes over to SmackDown. We don't even know the, what the landscape is going to look like for Raw and SmackDown in 2024. We don't. It's all speculation. And there's nothing wrong with thinking ahead. There's nothing wrong with thinking about your long-term future. But also, you're thinking of a long-term future into an unknown we don't know about. And that's the difference. And that's the, that's the one thing that concerns me. It's just like, how is AEW going to look in 2024? And how is WWE going to look in 2024? I have higher hopes for AEW looking a lot better in terms of the landscape of the, of the company in two in less than two years' time than I do for WWE. I have much less hope for WWE in terms of all that. So, we'll, I mean, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, like I said, there's nothing wrong for MJF, with MJF looking ahead and looking, you know, what the best option is for himself in his career. I mean, knowing that he already has ties to the company with Cody being there and Bruce Pritchard, of course, being there, having respect for them, that can help your cause. But in terms of, um, excuse me, everything right now, it's all speculation, of course. But for MJF, I, I, like I said, there's nothing wrong with looking a little bit ahead into your future. Just me, just my opinion. Now, on a sidebar, before we get into our last article of this week, um, I saw a little something over at WokeCulture.com talking about the AEW backstage atmosphere. Apparently, it is seen as, quote, chaotic and very frustrating, end quote. So let's just talk about this for a hot second, if if it does please the court. This is from uh, Andy H. Murray. A new report from the flagship wrestling podcast paints a less than idyllic image of all elite wrestling's backstage atmosphere which has been described as chaotic by a source within the promotion. This follows on from MJ, uh, Fightful Select's recent re- uh, reporting of M- MJF, whose AEW frustration stems from the feeling that he is underpaid, leading to the rising star leaning towards leaving the Tony Khan helm promotion when his current deal expires in 2024. MJF has not been shy about expressing this, speaking openly about the situation in interviews and frequently incorporating references into his work on television. The flagship source... Claims that MJF isn't the only frustrated AEW locker room member. Chaotic and suffering from a lack of structure. Behind the scenes concerns include match finishes and angles not being made known until just before shows begin. As well as redundant finishes and angles. This has caused frustration with one of the flagship sources commenting. Quote, every single one of us is pulling our hair out. End quote. AEW's chaos is not to, be, not to be, not believed. I'm sorry to be on the same levels as WWE's with Vince McMahon's com, Vince McMahon's company's propensity to rewrite episodes of Raw on show day cited. 
Such things often seem like a near weekly occurrence in the world's biggest promotion. Nonetheless, it appears that AEW and Khan have some problems of their own to work on. Now, why I said this was a sidebar is because it's pretty much what it is. A sidebar. A little side note. Of course you're going to have a little chaos and frustration within a company. It happens. It happens. It's not on the level of WWE's dumbassery with the whole Sasha Banks and Naomi shit. That's on a level that's on a level of stupid even I can't reach. Okay? That's a whole different level of dumb. But as long as if, it, if I mean, of course it's going to be a little bit chaos. Now, as far as redundant finishes and angles go, uh, I really haven't seen that personally in my time watching AEW since the beginning. Um, it's rare that you see a knockout, not a knockout, uh, a countout loss. Rarely do we ever see a countout loss. Ever. Ever. Most of the time, um, I've re- like, I, I guess for this is just me, I don't see many disqualification matches ending in disqualification. Rarely have I seen that. You know what I mean? Um, rarely have I seen anything like that in my time of watching AEW. Um, so, I mean, it's one of the, I mean, yeah, there's going to be a little bit of frustration, a little bit of chaos because everybody wants to get their stuff in and all that. So it's just a matter of, you know, trying to figure everything out right and, you know, all that. It, it's, it, like I said, it's a side note, but uh, I can understand frustration more so from MGF, but as well as, um, you know, you know, of course, they had the big swole thing a while back. So that's a big, that was a big deal. They also had, you know, there's, there's, of course, it's going to be, you know, frustration throughout. It's just a matter of, are you able to mitigate that and keep it to a minimum? Um, so there's not many others, you know, wanting to leave the company, you know, soon after. And uh, another sidebar as well. Um, I know we heard about the story with uh, um, Brian Danielson on um, the Rampage tapings. Um, getting his leg stuck in the elevator ramp for more than 10 minutes. Um, from what I heard, it's a it, it's a possible work. But um, if that's a legitimate, if that's a shoot, uh, goddamn. And now from what I heard, um, after he was, uh, his leg got pulled out, um, he was, of course, obviously limping. Um, Eddie Kingston and Brian Danielson throwing middle fingers at each other, uh, trying to keep the kayfabe story going after uh, Eddie didn't help out Brian to get up out of the ramp. So they try to at least keep it kayfabe as much as possible. Um, I think it's, I think they're going to probably use this as a work going forward. So I'll, um, I, I'm sure you saw the videos and all that. His leg, that thing was stuck in there. All right. So um, well, wish it. I mean, if it's a legitimate thing, uh, get well soon, Mister Brian. Uh, if it is a, if it is a, uh, supposed to be a work, um, then they did it. They did damn good at their job. So I'm going to leave it at that. And finally. We end this week's episode of the podcast. I saw this yesterday morning and I tried very hard not to laugh prior to me talking about this. And I'm going to take a sip of my coffee real quick because it's absolutely fucking delicious. Mm. Trader Joe's coffee. It's a new wave in in, uh, YLP compound and I'm quite uh, loving it. Uh, Miss uh, YLP brought some home uh, the other day. I don't think it's quite scrumptious. I'm probably going to uh, make another cup a little bit after I record. So, guys, yeah. But um, let's get into As I always say, I try to end an episode on a, on a, on a good note so we go in, so we complete the weekend in proper YLP fashion. And there's no better way for me to end a show than for me to laugh my ass off. From WrestleTalk.com, Roman Reigns 
Next three title challengers revealed. This is from uh, Taylor Sanchez. WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns' next three title challengers appear to have been revealed. Following Reigns signing a new WWE deal, reports reveal that the star is expected to work fewer dates. Now, we do know that he will be in Boston. He will be in Madison Square Garden. So, it's not as as much of a vacay uh, as we all thought initially. But, um, so he will be doing more dates than expected over the summer, but he won't be at the bullshit small market shows. So, the Tribal Chief has since been advertised for several shows this summer, including uh, Madison Square Garden on June 20, July 25th. I'm sorry. Um, I just want to see what other dates they had. I know Boston was one. The Boston one. So, he's also being advertised now for uh, SmackDown in Fort Worth, Texas on July 8th. Um, a house show in Sacramento, California the following day. He'll be in Boston, Massachusetts for SmackDown on July 22nd before uh, SummerSlam. And he'll be on SmackDown in Montreal, Quebec, Canada in on August uh, 19th. So, um, so he won't be disappearing for any long period of time. He will be at uh, certain shows throughout the summer. But in terms of small market uh, uh, events, uh, he will still not be there. Um, And my apologies to all the small markets that Roman Reigns will not be attending. Anyway, let us get back into the article. And where was my place, Hill? Okay, so per Dave Meltzer in the latest edition of Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Reigns is penciled in to face. Get ready. Matt Riddle at Money in the Bank. Randy Orton at SummerSlam, and Drew McIntyre at Clash at the Castle's UK Stadium show, saying, quote, Right now, the talk is, and none of this is close to etched in stone, that Reigns wrestles Riddle on July 2nd at Money in the Bank, Randy Orton on July 30th at SummerSlam, and McIntyre on September 3rd at Clash at the Castle. The first summer TV Reigns was announced for was July 25th at Madison Square Garden, which is the go-home Raw before SummerSlam, which makes sense since he's going to be doing uh, bigger market dates. Reigns will be appearing on TVs to build those three matches and has been announced for the uh, July 22nd show in Boston and the August 19th show in Montreal. End quote. Reigns hasn't defended his gold since defeating Brock Lesnar in the title unification bout at WrestleMania 38 in the main event of WrestleMania Backlash. Reigns team with the Usos to defeat the team of Riddle, Orton, and McIntyre. Uh, and as we know, I, I talked about it last week. The Universal Champion is currently expected to miss Hell in a Cell on June 5th. Dumb WWE is. Oh God! <laughs> this is <laughs> God fucking damn it! This is so fucking dumb. I mean, I mean, Money in the Bank. Honestly, whatever with Riddle. Riddle was gonna lose that match anyway. Reigns versus. You're basically already, if anything, and I'm being brutally honest with y'all. You're are they've already at least predicted 
they made it. They've already given me one. They've already given me a W on the prediction. Because ain't no fucking way Riddle's gonna beat Reigns. Ain't no fucking way Randy Orton's gonna beat Roman Reigns. And then we can question that by the time we get to Clash the Castle. Where Nakamura at? Where's that? Where's that feud? Didn't we start that start up that feud a little bit after WrestleMania? Nakamura comes out, Rick Boog situation, all that shit. They hug. Nakamura gets lit up. We ain't gonna we ain't gonna revisit that. Huh? We ain't gonna revisit that. <laughs> like what the fuck? So basically, so basically let's break it down like this, alright? So apparently yesterday they had the winner take all unification match. I don't know if it happened. I probably not, I probably didn't want knowing me. I didn't watch it. Y'all know I didn't. It's on DVR though. I got it. It's on, it's on DVR. It's fine. Whatever. I'll I'll get back to it when I feel like it. But you're basically saying that this is just currently because I don't know what happened on SmackDown. Currently, your Raw Tag Team Champions are separately going to face Roman at Money in the Bank and at SummerSlam. That's the best you can do. That's the best you got. Yeah, I know. I know, Milo. It's terrible. It's absolutely dreadful. You're going to do this shit. This is this is dreadful. This is absolutely dreadful. Because we already pretty much knew about Clash of the Castle. We already knew Drew was going to face Roman. We talked about that last week. Barring Tyson Fury coming back to the WWE, Roman is facing Drew at Clash of the Castle. Now, if Drew and Fury and Drew McIntyre and Tyson Fury face each other, I'm just going to say fuck it. Don't put Drew in the Universal Title mix. At any point in 2022 at that point. Don't. Don't even bother. I don't care at that point. I honestly wouldn't care. Like, honestly. (laughs) This is fucking stupid. It's a joke. Riddle's not beating Roman. Randy's not beating Roman. And the only person I would even give it a a percentage of a chance would be Drew. And even then, it's not believable enough. WWE is essentially fucking themselves again, and this is your this is your top champion. You honestly, you honestly believe in your heart of hearts that Riddle is gonna beat Roman for the titles? No. And that money in the bank. That's your t- that's your main event. That's gonna be your main event for Money in the Bank, barring any of the. Uh, Money in the Bank matches, that's going to be your main event for Money in the Bank. Riddle versus Reigns. And then SummerSlam, Reigns versus Orton. You honestly mean to tell you honestly fucking mean to tell me. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a solid match you could put on paper, 
But you honestly believe in your heart of hearts that Randy Orton's going to beat Roman Reigns in the position he is in right now? Absolutely not. You're wasting main events. Where's Nakamura at? Nakamura's got beef with Roman. After what happened after uh, after, uh, WrestleMania, Nakamura Reigns should at least be for the Universal Championship. You can put that for the Universal Championship at fucking Money in the Bank. And Reigns can take the... And you can figure out... And you have a number one contenders match at uh, Money in the Bank. Winner gets Roman for the titles at SummerSlam. But this is a joke. This is a flat out joke. It's a joke because it's not believable. Riddle's not beating Roman. Randy will give Roman a hell of a match, but he ain't beating Roman either. He's not believable enough. And then when we and then when we get to Drew, I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. I don't know how, what my move's gonna be like. But as it stands right now, and I said it, and I've said it plenty of times, no one's beating Roman until thirty nine, maybe. And at that point, who knows? Who, who knows if he'll have both titles? I don't. And I, and I said this like and I said this last time too. And I said this, I believe, I said this last week about the whole ten weeks joint. Um, the best case scenario is for uh, Roman to lose the WWE Championship. The only way you can pull that off at this point is if you have Cody win Money in the Bank and he takes the title away from Roman. That's the best case scenario. Because Riddle nor Orton is taking that title from Roman. There's no way. It's not believable. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's as much of a joke as looking outside right now and I'm actually seeing snow in the middle of May in Colorado right now. Mind you, I'm recording this on a Friday. You're listening to us on Saturday. Bees with a bees. It just doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. Make this math. Because it does not compute, people. Oh, God. Like... This is what this is what happens when you don't when you don't build up your stars. Again, it's a clear cut case of WWE hasn't built up anyone on SmackDown, so you're having to rely on Raw stars in order to get shit over. Uh, <laughs> once we get past July, then what? Then what? How are you going to build up your top contenders now? <laughs> I don't know, man. Honestly, at this point, you know, I can, I'll just predict it right now. Reigns beating Riddle, Reigns is beating Orton, and then we can worry about September's Class of the Castle from there. Other than that, that's going to conclude episode 335 of the YLP Podcast. When we come back, we'll call out the show Improper YLP Fashion, and I have a little announcement about next week in regards to episode 336 of the YLP Podcast. We'll be right back. Keep it locked. Oh, 
guys, that's going to be it for episode 335 of the YLP Podcast. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, and your evening, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you guys so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. And as always, I greatly and truly appreciate it. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, opinions, or anything of the matter involving today's episode or any of the other episodes of the YLP Podcast, do not hesitate to hit your boy up with an email over at younglionsperspective at gmail.com. You can also leave a voice message over on anchor.fm slash younglionsperspective or anchor.fm slash wrestleaddictradio. And over on ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com, you can leave your comments there as well. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast, you can always follow me on my social media. Find me over on Twitter at YL Perspective. That's capital YLP Perspective. I'm going to be getting back into the swing of things in terms of live tweeting with AEW Dynamite. Uh, given the fact that I do live in Colorado and I have YouTube TV, I don't get to watch AEW until 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for you East Coast folks. That's 11 o'clock and you're pretty much already getting ready to go to bed. But I'm doing it more so... For my uh, people out on the western side of the things, uh, now that I live, now I'm literally the westernmost member of the uh, WrestleLadix Radio family, so I'm trying to cater to the west coast uh, folk who may be watching it at a later time with me as well. So if you're anywhere in, like, say, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, Kansas, Texas, Utah, Wyoming, any parts of that stuff, you're Washington, California, Oregon, Idaho, uh, Montana, all that, I got you on Wednesday nights. And if you follow me over there, I'll be doing all that stuff there. So, moving on, we go out, of course, my Instagram. You can follow me over there at young underscore lions underscore perspective. Slide in my DMs if you have any questions or anything. Do not be like these dumb, dumb Forex Bitcoin motherfuckers hitting up my DMs. Don't do that. I will block you immediately. Don't play that shit. Also, if you want to follow me on Facebook, I'm also over there. Just search for Young Lions Perspective Podcast. Follow me on all the social media socials to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the YLP Podcast. Of course, if you enjoyed this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the YLP Podcast. Share this episode across all of your social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Y'all know the deal. Telegram, WhatsApp, LinkedIn, doesn't matter. Spread the word about the YLP Podcast. And make sure you also spread the word about the Wrestle Addict Radio family. Because with the YLP Podcast, the Fretzelmania Podcast, and of course, the Kings of the Rings Podcast, we here at Wrestle Addict Radio strive to bring you the very best top-notch quality entertainment anywhere in the world to be the very best of the best. The cream and the crop, the creme de la creme, the top of the pops to be seen then, now, and forever as the alternative for professional wrestling podcast. And may we remind you that we are here to stay. And of course, y'all know, y'all already know, not everybody listens to Anchor and it's all good. You know, I check my numbers every single week. You know, not everybody listens to uh, the YLP podcast here on Anchor.fm. And that's perfectly fine. You're not hurting my feelings on that. But if you do want to ensure that you are listening to the YLP podcast, and of course, News of the Week every single Saturday, we are, of course, I am across many different platforms. And so is Wrestle Addict Radio. And you can find us on not just only Anchor.fm. You can also find us on AmbiguousPodcastSolutions.com. Shout out to Will Tara Shook, who runs the gang over there. But you can also find us on Amazon Music, 
Audible, Podcast Addict, Player FM, Podbean, and as always, shout out to the Podbean gang, CastBox FM, Overcast, Breaker, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course, that good old Spotify fam. Search for the entire family of WrestleRadix Radio podcast across all these different platforms, and you should have no problem finding us whatsoever. I'm going to look to the judges to ensure I fulfill my obligations and all that good stuff for this week. Looking over to the country of Russia. Granted, it is snowing and shit, but I am getting the thumbs up, and we are good to go on that. So, next week's going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm actually going to be on vacation, a little bit of a mini vacation, um, tomorrow, actually. So, while you are enjoying the YLP podcast, I will be heading to Western Colorado uh, with Miss YLP and Mr. YLP Jr. We'll be doing a little bit of a family vacation, uh, chilling out on the other side of the state. Uh, nice little resort we got uh, set up for us, so it is very, very nice. Now, as far as the show goes, I may be doing a little bit of something for it. As far as I know, the only thing I probably would want to do um, would be a, of course, and I would be a fool if I didn't do it, would be my preview and predictions for uh, next weekend's Double or Nothing pay-per-view. And I, y'all know how I get down about that. It's, it's going to be a hell of a show. And the card is not fully set yet, as far as I know. But um, I will keep you updated on if I'm going to be doing a show for that or maybe just doing a little, like, you know, if I'm doing a show or I may just do a little bit of something, something just in terms of preview and predictions. So uh, y'all might want to follow me on my social media to ensure of to be uh, aware and abreast of what is going on uh, with the uh, episode 336 or I may call it episode 335 and a half. Uh, so we'll see how everything goes. As far as it, as far as it is right now, if I'm going to be doing anything in terms of the podcast, I'll be I'll more than likely just be doing a preview and predictions for next sun for uh, next weekend's. Uh, I think it's on a Saturday. I'm not sure. Mine slips me, but I will be um, doing something of that nature. I will be recording a segment at least for my preview and predictions for AEW Double or Nothing. So, like I said, keep it locked to my socials and. Um, I'll keep you guys in. I'll keep you guys uh, aware of what's going to be going on in terms of next week's episode. But now we have that cleared up. Other than that, guys, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Also, I almost forgot. Uh, happy Armed Forces Day to all the branches of uh, the military. I am, of course, y'all know I am the son of airmen. So uh, my mom and dad used to be in the Air Force, and um, I'm very, very proud of that. Um, most of my, um, my, the remainder of my mom's side of the family has, um, served in the United States army besides my grandmother. Um, my grandpa did auntie and my, all my uncles, uh, served in the army. Mom served in the air force. Dad did as well. So, um, to all the branches of the military, happy armed forces day, uh, celebrate it. Enjoy it guys. Other than that, I'm gonna get the hell out of here. Cause I actually still have to pack, um, for this little mini vacay. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and I'll see you guys right back here. Maybe next week, but definitely the week after for episode 335 and a half, maybe 336 of the YLP Podcast. See ya! This has been a Wrestle Attic Radio branded podcast.